When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford right here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, Game Source, Lakers Ball, Lakerholics, and of course, our good friends at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. All the things that we do and all the things that we're part of, including our fantastic YouTube subscribers, please go ahead and subscribe today on YouTube. I know we're doing really well there as of late, and we truly appreciate all your support. Reading those comments on a daily basis, we're trying to go ahead and keep up with you as best we can, so we truly appreciate all the feedback each and every day. If you can go ahead and support all that, and like our Facebook page as well, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, the big day, Thursday, the NBA draft, one of my favorite times of the year. I know as Laker fans, we're still quite unsure where we're going to go when it comes to the NBA draft, because we actually don't have a pick as of now, although we've already, as a organization, already heard Rob Palenka already hint that he wants to go ahead and buy his way into the second round somewhere in the second round. We don't know quite where yet. I know they've been working out several prospective individuals, but speaking of perspective, and speaking of the NBA draft, the triumvirate of the three awesome NBA draft experts is here again this year. I already had on Stone Hansen. I already had on Rafael Barlow. But you can't do a triumvirate. You can't do the three musketeers of NBA draft unless you have at NBA draft Mikey V on Twitter. The guy who puts Twitter to shame with all of his tweets because nobody out there does more tweets on the future 
of NBA basketball because he gets to see firsthand and also gets to report on firsthand through his awesome site that he works with, perspectiveinsight.com, and also as well, all the tweets that he does. I mean, my gosh, I don't think anybody on the planet retweets more than this guy. It is a good man indeed. Please check out the future of the NBA as he sees it at NBA Draft Mikey V. It is Michael Weisenberg and Mike. Great to have you back on. Man, I missed you, and I'm just so glad to have you back on the program. Gerald, thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, it's been a while, man, but it's it's great to be back here. It's been really cool because uh, I was doing a um, NBA draft cohort class that Stone Hansen was a part of, so that was awesome. Uh, getting to see Stone. We just did a mock draft yesterday and uh, to wrap up that course. But um, yeah, get in the game 101 um, was who put on the course. Uh, my friend John Ross and uh, Bjorn Zetterberg were integral to having that happen. And we had so many fantastic people that were a part of that. And then doing my thing with Perspective Insight and uh, yeah, trying to scout these guys, these future NBA players, but uh, still following the NBA draft as always. Um, yeah, the the uh, insane amount of, of retweets I've been doing lately was from Section 7 in uh, Arizona, which was a huge high school tournament that had uh, high schools from across the West Coast and even as far as uh, Columbus High in Florida, which has uh, a couple twins, um, sons of Carlos Boozer, uh, Cameron and Caden Boozer, who are um, looking like two of the best players in the high school class of 2025. So if that doesn't make you feel old that uh, Carlos Boozer now has high school age kids that are, are top of their class, uh, I, I don't know what does. <laughs> well, I will tell you what, my friend, as the secret to everybody out there, I follow your Twitter religiously to understand who is on the horizon when it comes to prospective NBA draft candidates. So I get a clear idea before they even go to college or overtime elite or Europe or the G league or whatever that they do before the NBA draft. I go ahead and check out your Twitter each and every time out because of the fact I get to see the future of the NBA before it happens. So it's always a great time indeed, but you and I are also going to be talking about the near future for this year's draft because we're going to be choosing our own. Mock draft. It's going to be going. I just can't wait. I can't always have fun time when I go ahead and do this. I know we've had big extravaganzas in the past with a whole bunch of people. I know actually you stopped by Rafael Barlow's NBA Big Board podcast recently as well. I remember that episode. You were fantastic on it. So I know that he is really busy this time right now doing all the things that he can for the NBA draft, as are you, as are Stone Hansen. But I'm so glad to have you on as we go ahead and start doing our own version of a mock draft on who we think should go where. But I know that right here in Vegas that Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith are kind of almost 50-50 even up as far as the number one draft pick. I know Jabari Smith is a slight favorite still at this point in time. His numbers have dropped a little bit. Chet Holmgren and Paolo Banquero has come from a longer shot at about a uh, 20 to 1, 25 to 1 has dropped dramatically. So people are thinking that he may still have a chance. I know he's been a favorite for a lot of NBA draft experts. B, 
be that as it may, before we get into your first pick, because I'm going to give you first pick in our NBA mock draft, I want to hear your thoughts on this top three that people are thinking about when it comes to the top of the NBA draft. Yeah, I, I think they're all pretty close. And um, I I would lean that the Magic take Jabari Smith Jr. tomorrow. This is as crazy as it, it's kind of gotten in a while uh, as far as the first pick is concerned. Like, you know, m- most years you pretty much know who's going to go number one. I liken and, it uh, to the Anthony Bennett draft, personally. Yeah, I, pretty much. Like, yeah, that, that was an actual shock because yeah. – I, I remember thinking that one was between Nerlens Noel and uh, and Alex Lett. Yeah. That, th- those were the two rumored guys that were uh, going to Cleveland that year. But yeah, Anthony Bennett ends up uh, going in there. I think you have a, a much more established top three this time with uh, those three guys. Um, with Jaden Ivey, like possibly maybe shaking things up, but I'm thinking not. But yeah, it... it like I know that Paulo's odds were uh, kind of rising up a little bit, but I don't think yeah. he worked out with Orlando. And I think he was kind of happy uh, to either be going to Oklahoma city or Houston, but yeah, I, I would lean towards Jabari Smith jr. At this point um, being the number one pick and uh, yeah, you'll quickly find out who I have number one uh, whenever you want to start this mock draft. So. so let's do that right now, my friend. You are on the clock with Orlando. So who would you pick for number one in your NBA draft? So I know a lot of draft Twitter and Rafael Barlow have Paulo Bancaro number one. He loves Paulo Bancaro. Right. Absolutely. Well, I've loved Paulo Bancaro for as long as I've seen him. And uh, I have him number one as well. I just think that the combination of his ball handling is fantastic. Um, NBA ready body and his ability to create offense and fantastic passer. Um, I I just think that uh, he would be the the guy that I would choose if I were the Orlando magic. Like you're, you're looking for that like primary offensive option. And I, I think Paulo would be it. Um, I also think that his defense is like at this point um, a little like kind of too uh, it's been put under the microscope a bit too much. I I think he's going to be fine on that end of the floor. Like uh, we we had a great article um, series from Bjorn Zetterberg um, and he broke down just, it was called data tracking broke down like, um, shot blocking and a lot of Paulo's blocks actually came on the perimeter. He moves his feet pretty well. And then he's really hard to move, um, which is something that I noticed immediately. Like uh, the first time I got to see Paulo in person was the 2018 USA October minicamp. He was playing Isaiah Stewart, who is a couple years older than he is. And Isaiah is a tank. Like he could not get anything against Paulo. So um, I, I just think that over time, like Paulo is going to be a, a fine defender as well. And then I, I think that he ends up being the best offensive option. Um, I think he's going to improve a lot as a three-point shooter as well, just based on how really efficient he is in the mid-range. And then just in terms of shot creation, I, I think he, he does that better than any of the top three guys in this year's draft. Fair enough, indeed. So, Paulo Bancaro is your number one choice. You're picking for the Orlando Magic. That leaves me up next. 
With number two for Oklahoma City, which only has 10,000 picks for the rest of this decade. You know, I'm at, gosh, what, is it 14 at least in the next five years have got some, some amazingly outstanding number as far as that's concerned. So I'm picking, I'm thinking I'm picking as someone that they can go ahead and center everything around as far as on an offensive end. I think on the defensive end, they're going to go ahead and do some things. I think they're also as well going to be pointing towards Victor Wimbiana next year. You know, that's something I think that they're really looking, they're eyeing towards the draft class next year and who's at the top of it. So I really think that right now, I think that they should go with a nice score on the, off the touch. And I think that Jabari Smith Jr., like you said, great score, good shooter, still needs to work on his handle, driving through the lane, mid-range, still need to work work on that. But 42% from three, has pretty good defensive skills, 6'10", can guard out on the perimeter. I'm going to go ahead and say Jabari Smith for number two from Oklahoma City. Again, they have a wealth of assets and should be able to go ahead and get them in a position where they're going to go ahead and pick some good players over the next few years as well. My question for you, Gerald, is if Jabari Smith Jr. had gone to Orlando, who would you have taken between Paulo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren? Well, you, Stone Hansen, and Rafael Barlow have convinced me that Paulo would have probably been, uh, you know, someone that I would have been more interested in than Jabari Smith right now because Jabari Smith and Paulo Baron Carroll, Paulo is the more polished product, I think, at that, this point in time. So at this point in time, I think you're going to get right off the bat someone who can go ahead and initiate offense at the key, top of the key. He can also go ahead and post up for you. That's one thing I really like about Paulo Bunker is the fact that you can go ahead and give him the ball and he can do a lot of good things with it, not just go ahead and do one of his famous spin moves and things of that nature. He can go ahead and initiate an offense and not have to be so reliant on your guards to go ahead and do everything. He provides you with an option. I really think that's really hard to miss. So, yeah, good answer. Uh, I like it. Um, Number three for the Houston Rockets. I think it's probably going to be a different story on draft night, but you really don't know. I, I, I would, at number three, I'm taking Chet Holmgren. He's somebody that I just uh, have thought really highly of as well for a long time. It, it was funny. And the last time I went to uh, USA October minicamp, the two guys that really stood out, Paulo wasn't playing there, was... Jabari Smith Jr. and Chet Holmgren. I thought they were the two best guys in their class, both just super tall, long, and soft, soft touch on their shot. That's something that I've, I've really liked about Chet. But the, the big thing with Chet is his rim protection, just verticality. Everybody talks about the frame, but as uh, skinny as he may be, he, he's really good at absorbing contact yeah. and keeping those arms up to block shots just was one of the most efficient players in the NCAA this past year. He can do just quite a bit. And uh, I I think he's going to provide some defensive versatility. Um, You of course would like him ultimately to play the five, but I I think that he even has some of that ability to move out on the perimeter at times and uh, really good weak side shot blocker as well. And I I think the offensive game is going to come along and the major thing with Chet is like 
in the half court, he, he didn't like didn't happen a ton, but in the half court, he was 80 of 100 around the basket, mm-hmm. which is just a ridiculous percentage. So yeah, like when he gets the ball around the hoop, it's pretty much going in. <laughs> like he's uh he was one of the NCAA like dunk leaders as well. Um I just he's a really fluid mover for his size. And uh, I like his ball skills. I like his passing also. I, I just think that, um, you know, barring anything catastrophic, I think he's going to be a, a really good NBA player. And if he strengthens that frame, and if he gains some bulk in the right areas and gains some strength, there's no telling what you could have as far as a defensive anchor. Like you said, can even play a little bit of the four, can play uh, obviously the five for you and anchor that defense i think already from the get-go but if he strengthens you know the the muscle tone just up top just even a little bit that's going to be so much more beneficial i really think that he he has a good stroke and can also initiate the offense not quite as well yet as paulo bancaro but i still think he has a lot of gifts that uh, you know a lot of people his size don't have so I really think that's a, a good choice as well. And I don't think if you were Houston, you should be too sad if Chet, if Chet Holmgren falls down to number three for you. I really think that's a good pick as well. For number four, you've got <laughs> the Sacramento Kings, who eventually will get to the playoffs. Statistics say they will get to the playoffs one day. I know 16 years of frustration have been a lot for them. And I know it's a little bit redundant, but the best player available, if they're not able to get the trade that they want, and if they're not able to get the kind of movement or offer that they seek, I think to put them in a better position to be in the playoff mix, because I think that's the edict coming down from the ownership group or the owner slash governor that's with them right now. I think uh, that it's going to be Jaden Ivey. If you just go best player available, I think that the comparisons to Russell Westbrook are there. He's extremely athletic. I just think that when it comes to him as a ball handler, playmaker, he needs to develop that a little bit more, but he, I see the potentials there. His best slot is as a point guard. It is going to be a, a kind of unusual mix if you go ahead and keep him and De'Aaron Fox at the same time. I wonder how that dynamic would work because we already tried to see that with Tyrese Halliburton, and you saw who lost out on that end, who got shipped out to Indiana on that end. But he is the best player available, and if he can develop his shot along with it, there's no telling what can, you know, the, the type of potential that he has. And he possibly could be, when all is said and done, five years down the line, the best of all of these players that we're talking about right now. Yeah, I, I still would go with one of the top three as being the the best player in the draft but he's certainly like his athletic gifts are yeah. uh absolutely present and um he um yeah he you know when i i know the the major thing with this year's draft is with those big guys uh being the top three picks um you know they're talking about obviously if you have this offensive initiator um or you know big guard or um jumbo initiator kind of uh a player like i i think Jaden ivy is like the top of that kind of list yeah I, I still just wonder if he's not more of like that secondary uh playmaker but um yeah they absolutely uh, quite a talent and um i i 
I think that Sacramento should probably do that at, at number four as well. I don't know what they're going to do, and we never yeah. do. <laughs> this is true. This is true. I don't want to anoint him the next John Morant as of yet, but oh no. I mean, I think the passing between those two and like yeah. just court vision, very, very different. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Number five is the Detroit Pistons, and there are different ways they could go. They could go for the relative unknown in a shade and sharp, possibly, or they could go with a more proven commodity in Keegan Murray or another player that's right there for you. I mean, there's been several that's been talking about Dyson Daniels, Benedict Matherin. I mean, there's, there's a few players right on there. So who do you have for the Detroit Pistons? If you were picking for them at number five. Well, I'm going to throw a huge wrench in this process and uh, not pick any of those players that you named. I'm going to go with AJ Griffin uh, from Duke. Um, one of the younger players in the draft, he had a fantastic shooting season, just yes. in a number of ways. Um, great, like frame for, uh, a wing. And, uh, I just really believe that, you know, there, there's a lot there in terms of offensive package, um, things to work with. Um, are yeah. you worried about I, his health at all? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's the one thing, like, it, I, I would want to know a little bit more from my medical staff and, and to get into that, but he managed to stay relatively healthy during the season. I know that he missed like a year and a half basically in high school and then uh, was recuperating, but I just think like throughout the year just got quite a bit better. And then uh, with like he and Cade playing off of each other, I think that would work really, really well. Like just having that um, shooting ability next to Cade Cunningham uh, with Kate Cunningham's own shooting ability, um, maybe worry a little bit about athleticism, but uh, yeah, I, I just think AJ would be a, a great fit there in Detroit, and um, he's just the the highest guy I have on my board, and I, I you know I'm looking at the best player available, and I, I know some people will probably have some thoughts on that, but uh, yeah, I, I I really believe in AJ Griffin. I don't blame you. Kid can shoot. And in the days and ages where you have right now in this era, the three-point shot is paramount in the NBA. You got to have yourself some good shooters out there. And I'm hoping that this kid will be able to find his own niche as a three and D like score. That's going to be hopefully be able to do a little bit more than that. Because at number five, you want him to be able to be more than just a three and D type player. But I think he has the possibility, the flashes, what he showed at Duke, maybe he can go ahead and do just that. So, yeah, really, really good pick right there for you, especially as the fact that, you know, you got to have shooters. Got to go ahead. Mm -hmm. And if you do have shooters, it opens up the, you know, as we saw in the playoffs with Steph Curry, what he does to a a defense just by his mere presence. So you can have someone that can shoot like that. Absolutely. Or one thing I'll add about AJ is just the shooting versatility too. Like he did it in so many different ways and can do quite a bit off of the dribble as well. So that's why I think he could kind of be beyond that like three and D label. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show 
and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it's our NBA mock draft, the Lakers fast break. I'm here with along with Michael Weisenberg. Please go ahead and follow him today at NBA Draft Mikey V if you want to know about the future of the NBA right there for you. That's the best way to say it because you are seeing the future right there when you go ahead and check out his news feed right there on Twitter at NBA Draft Mikey V. Please go ahead and follow him today. At number six for the Indiana Pacers, this is the team that is kind of in a weird spot. Are they still trying to go ahead and compete for a playoff spot or are they trying to go ahead and do an implosion, get rid of some of the talent like they have, like Malcolm Brogdon, who's been on trade rumors everywhere seemingly in the past few days. You've got other players that they have that seemingly are also on the trading block as well. So I'm still thinking that they're looking forward ahead to trying to make themselves into a competitive team right away. So I'm picking Keegan Murray at number six as a player that's seasoned like Chris Duarte that they just brought on the previous year that did well for them. I think that as a power forward at six, eight, I think that he comes in already ready made to go ahead and pop him right there in the lineup and go ahead and do some damage for you. Does a lot of good things. Doesn't do really a whole lot of things at a elite level, but I really think he does a lot of things at a very, very good level. I think he's a good scorer, good rebounder, can play a good level of defense for you. Really, just a, a really good all-around base player. I think at that point in time in the draft that you're going to get someone that again is seasoned, ready to go, not going to need as much fine-tuning or developing as other individuals in draft because he is a little bit older. He, I think he's ready to go, and I think he's ready to go to make a major contribution for a team as a good rotational player and someone who can even develop into something more. So I'm picking Keegan Murray at number six for the Indiana Pacers. All right. All right. So that comes up to, since the Pacific Northwest is your area, around what from what I remember, and Rafael Barlow, give him a shout out. One of his favorite, well, actually his favorite team. His favorite team. Yep, yeah. The Portland Trailblazers, as he reminds me a lot. The Portland Trailblazers are on the clock next at number seven. So with Damian Lillard and his clock is kind of running a little bit on the older side now. Now that he's on the other side of 30. His clock is starting to run down and he wants to go ahead and be part of a winner after what happened last season. And with Anthony Simon still there, a kid that looks like he's going to become a major player in this league. They trade away CJ McCollum. They still have assets there. And they're looking to go ahead and be competitive as long as you have Damian Lillard sitting there going ahead and chucking up threes. So who do you have for Portland at number seven? Well, I think whoever you take at number seven, they're likely going to take some time to make the Blazers competitive and, uh, I, I'm one of those people who also wonders just how much number seven can get you in terms of getting a, a veteran player that can come in and, and help right away. But if 
uh, I just stuck with number seven. I'm not sure how popular this is going to be in Portland, but this is a player that I, I just feel like down the line could um, make quite an impact. And I'm going with Jalen Duran and uh, from Memphis. I think that like he just, there's some special athleticism there. Yeah. And, um, you know, he does have these huge feet, huge hands. Um, I, I think that uh, he's going to eventually adapt really well to the physicality of the NBA. I also think there's like a, a bit of a, a hidden skill set there that uh, I think is going to develop over time. Um, really good passer as well. Um, so, yeah, he's just somebody that I, I think um, has some – a lot of defensive potential to unlock. I, I thought he was a really good rim protector uh, at Memphis as well. Um, and going to be great on the uh, the glass. And uh, yeah, he, he's going to be that, that lob threat that, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, eventually is the Blazers need something either at one of the forward spots or at the center spot um, with, you know, the Nurk uncertainty and the next, upcoming future. So uh, yeah, Jalen Duren's the next guy on my board. So that's what I'm taking for the Portland Trailblazers. And I would be happy with uh, whoever the next couple guys are on my board or Jalen Duren uh, going to the Blazers on draft night. He has a lot of potential, I think. And at six foot 11, let's say seven feet, 250. I yeah. think he has an NBA ready body. I mean, I'd say like more six ten ish, honestly. But really, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. But he he has he has a seven foot five and a quarter wingspan that I, I think uh, makes up for that as well. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah. But yes, like you said, he's very strong. Uh, kid's got an NBA ready body as far as it's concerned. It looks like someone that I think can really do some damage in the NBA. Like you said, just needs a little bit of time, work, development. I think that he can go ahead and be that eventual successor to Yersuk Nurkic. And, you know, he's going to be go- someone that I think that can really do some good things. But the thing is, is he going to be a, you know, is, is Damian Lillard going to be that patient? That's the only, that's the big question. Yeah. yeah I mean, cause you know, patience runs thin on all these guys that we're seeing these days in the NBA. I mean, a lot of these 30 plus, players they're they're seemingly running very thin on their patience you know they can't stand the thought of their team developing they need a winner they need to be a part of a winner now or else they're going to demand a trade out the door so we'll see i know he's been an icon in portland and i know he wants to stay in portland has stated as such so we'll see if this pick will infuse the kind of enthusiasm for damian lillard or if it does something to let's say you know uh, go ahead and and have him you know has eyes wandering somewhere else but regardless i think that's a solid pick at number seven right there for you someone who can really develop and i think can do some good numbers down the line for you number eight is going to be along that same lines for me when it comes to new orleans and the fact that they're still feasting off the anthony davis trade and <laughs> this would have been the lakers pick and if it was been the Lakers pick and seeing how it's fallen down for our draft so far, I think it would have been probably around the same thing for me as someone who I think that, you know, probably talent wise at this spot is probably the most talented individual available, even though there's not much out on him. And that is Shaden Sharp, who didn't play with Kentucky, but practiced at Kentucky. 
Well, I actually didn't. He didn't kind of. Well, he was there at Kentucky. I probably best way to say it. I was the way to clarify it there. But he has at six five, six six, uh, two hundred pounds. Looks like someone that can go ahead. From what I saw in his earlier days in high school, as one of the top rated individuals coming out of high school, going to be someone that could go ahead and do a lot of things as far as a great two way player could develop into that. And I think that with all the talent that's already there on New Orleans, I think you got to go ahead and start looking into possibly trying to go for that home run. And I think that's a good time to go ahead and do it when it's, you know, not even really truly your pick. It's the Lakers pick that you have now because of Anthony Davis. Lakers get a world championship. New Orleans gets shade and sharp at number eight. So we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Again. Yeah. But, I, I think the Lakers will take it too. Um, yes. But yeah, Shaden Sharp is um, one of the better athletes in the draft. Yes. Um, really great dimensions for a wing. Uh, can create his own shot as well. And, um, you know, just uh, the potential is, is a, the big word there with him. Um, yeah. I, I know that uh, a lot of people are kind of wondering about him and his, his feel for the game. But I, I just think there's a ton of talent there. Um, some rare athletic gifts and strength at his size. So, yeah, I, I, I think that anywhere, like, around this range is a good spot for Shaden Sharp. At least, like, you know, and if you're going for, like, a home run, like, this is a guy who could possibly really pay off in the future. So, yeah, I, I, I like the pick at, at number eight or, like, you know, anywhere around this range for him. Well, David Griffin, who in the earlier part of last season has his seat was warm with the way they started off at one and 12, but they came back strong and had that great performance in the playoffs where they were very competitive and very feisty. And it showed a great future without Zion Williamson. So now that you get Zion back, hopefully that you can start going ahead and say to yourself, okay, now I can build for the future because I've got talent and I've got extra picks so I can go ahead now and look towards maybe building for the future around Zion if Zion stays healthy and Shaden Sharp could be that individual that slots right in there one day that you could say, you know what, as a player, I really think he's going to be something special. But yes, again, it's a reach, could be a home run, but I think at this point in time, David Griffin is now secured enough in his job that he can go ahead and make that kind of pick now. So. Yeah. San Antonio is on the clock now at number nine. Our good friend Rafael Barlow has said that he's heard rumblings that the San Antonio Spurs would be picking a big man for their needs. Things have changed now with your pick of Jalen Duran as one of the top-rated centers that came off the board at number seven. So what do they do now? Or what would you do now at number nine for the San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, I'm going to stick with just going best player available. And um, to me, that's Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. I know that San Antonio is always happy picking a a guard or a wing, at least over the past few drafts. And uh, as as much as they may want like a a Jalen Duran or a a Mark Williams here, um, I, I think it would just be kind of a good idea to keep maintaining those, uh, wing and guard assets that they have and, you know, possibly looking for that in a trade. Um, but I, I just think Johnny Davis is somebody that can step into the NBA, uh, give you some really solid guard minutes. He's a 
somebody that we all know is a tough shot maker um, and good from mid range. Uh, I think are you are you com- are you concerned about his long shot, his three point shot? I mean, that's been brought a lot up when it concerns evaluation. Yeah, I, I know he didn't shoot well from three, but I, I think he just he had a insane burden of offense at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that it's something that the main thing with shooting is unless like it, it's really really bad. Like there there are some players in this draft whose shooting is not good at all, but it's just something that you could see them working on. And it's one of the, I think that I wouldn't say like easier things to fix, but it's one of the more fixable things uh, that a prospect can, can go through unless there's like some catastrophic reason or, uh, but yeah, I, I just, I feel like over time, like Johnny Davis is going to at least be like a good shooter. Um, And then his defensive ability. And uh, I, I think like, you know, solid athlete as well, was a really good rebounder at Wisconsin. Um, those are just that nose for the ball, like those kind of things that the toughness. I don't know if you remember, but he had like this amazing game against uh, at Purdue against yeah. Jaden Ivory earlier in the year. That was like one of the better prospect games. And then he was one of the better players in uh, one of, in the conference that had, I think, nine NCAA tournament teams. So going up usually against a good team every night had a huge offensive burden as well, as I mentioned earlier, but yeah, he's somebody that uh, I just think is going to be a, a solid guard rotate or at least a rotation guy. But I, I think there's um, even more upside beyond that. Very good pick indeed. Yes. Johnny Davis. I think that, like you said, had so much on his back, his shoulders when it concerns trying to go ahead and, and continue that load that he had at Wisconsin if, like you said, it's true and developing the shot is, is can be there for most of these guys if they work on it. So Johnny Davis, I think, is a very, very good pick at number nine. I think he's someone that could go ahead and be a great player for San Antonio in that pop system if given the opportunity. Number 10, the Washington Wizards. And with the status of Bradley Peel, we don't know what's going to happen there. You've got Christoph Porzingis. You don't know how healthy he's going to be throughout an entire season. You've got Kyle Kuzma that is being Kyle Kuzma, although he's played actually had a good season last season. So I know we missed him in Lakerland. It's funny because, you know, he has the seasons that he has with the Lakers and then he leaves. And now all of a sudden all these Laker fans miss Kyle Kuzma. So, you know, it just seems like, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, so to speak for him, but I'm wishing him continued success. But at number 10, I do think since you've traded out to Dallas, your last major point guard, I really think you're in need of a point guard right now or someone that can at least set up the offense per se and someone who can also initiate the defense which is something that's been in dire need for washington for quite some time and i'm going to go ahead and pick dyson daniels at number 10 who can do a lot of each the shot like you said (laughs) rinse and repeat what mikey v said for several of these guys and that and this is just no less there for dyson daniels because the shot isn't there as of yet but the playmaking the vision is good the playmaking, I think, is really good. I know he's had some comparisons to Lonzo Ball. I, I really don't want to go ahead and go into that stretch yet, but 
He does have a good court awareness and vision. And defensively, I think he's, you know, at or near one of the best defensive players coming out of this draft. So I have Dyson Daniels at number 10 for the Washington Wizards. Yeah. I I, I think that, like, everything I'm hearing, it seems like he's going to be gone by eight. So, yeah, in the actual draft, like, you're getting a steal. Um, But, yeah, he – I, I I agree with what you said. Like I, I just think he he's one of those guys who gets described as a connector, and then has defensive ability as well. Yeah. Um, and then the shooting again is like something that I, I think you can work on, and it can come along. Uh, the major like difference between like he and Lonzo Ball, I would say, is that Lonzo like coming in. I think like as much as people were kind of worried about the shooting and how awkward the form is and everything like that, like his shooting was one of like the, the major factors and, and something that he worked on to become the valuable player that he, he is right now. But I, I just think that with Dyson, you know, you have that passing ability, you have the court vision um, and awareness on both ends. Um, that, and the size also, um, which is really something to work with. Absolutely. So there you go at number 10 in our mock draft. Once again, it's Michael Weisenberg for Perspective Insight and NBA Draft Mikey V. It's me, Gerald Glassford, as well, giving you our picks on who we think should go where in the NBA mock draft. I will say the crowd is chanting now at number 11. It's the New York crowd that's uh, jeering and cheering you all at the same time, my friend. So who do you have at number 11 for the New York Knicks? Yeah, um, I know that they have a lot of, you know, kind of guards and wings, and uh, I think I'm going to add another one because I am going with Bandic Matherin uh, out of Arizona. Um, I just think you have that combination of, of size, um, his shooting and scoring ability. Uh, I, I think there are certainly, like, tools to work with on the defensive end. And, um, you know, I, I think there have been strides in his playmaking. Um, so he's a guy that I have a feeling likely goes top 10 on draft night and uh, could go even quite a bit higher than this. But yeah, like I think it, his ceiling is maybe even like, I don't know if it's Detroit, but it, it's probably Indiana. And uh, this might be that, his yeah. floor. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Benedict Matherin um, was one of the top returning players uh, after last year. I, I thought he had a great freshman year at Arizona. I, I was thinking he was going to enter the draft last year, uh, comes back and um, maintains, you know, like uh, or possibly strengthens his case in this year's draft. So, uh, yeah. And then, as always, if you have that extra year under your belt, you're probably uh, even more ready to come in and compete at the NBA level. Fair enough. Excellent pick indeed. Like I said, you, you know, he was, like you said, he was actually been rated as high as I've seen him as high as even on five on one mock draft I saw, but number six through eight, I'd seen, seen him a lot placed right in there. In fact, a lot, a lot to Portland, Portland, he's been picked to a lot. I've seen on mock drafts. So yeah, definitely is someone getting good value right there at number 11. I know for number 12, you have the Oklahoma City Thunder coming back up on the clock with one of their many first-round picks over the next few years, as we talked about earlier. And I know that right behind them is the Charlotte Hornets, 
who have long been mocked for Mark Williams from Duke as a center that they need so desperately they need someone in the number five spot there. But you know what? Oklahoma City is going to take him first because I have Mark Williams going at number 12 to Oklahoma City, totally pissing off the number 13 Charlotte Hornets who had Mark Williams set in their sights simply because of the fact that I think that if they pick a forward like I have with, of course, Jabari Smith, you got to have a good five spot as well. So I really think Mark Williams as a defensive anchor and a role man, I think is someone with some size some skills, some athleticism, seven foot two, really can go ahead and roll around the rim. Very efficient score. And I'm actually, that's an understatement. If you actually saw his numbers, because he's very efficient as far as the concern, I think 75% or 76%, right. As far as his field goal percentage is concerned, Actually, not too bad of a free thrower as well. So there you go. I think a really solid choice right there at number 12 for Mark Williams. Really getting the folks in Charlotte really angry, which is your next pick, my friend, number 13 and the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. And as far as Oklahoma City drafting Mark Williams, I I think that's absolutely a possibility. There could be another team that either moves up or down that uh, takes Mark Williams as well. He's just, he's huge. He can, has like solid agility for his size. Because if you can't uh, get Victor Wembyama, if, if, oh, if, if, I'm saying if you can't get Victor Wembyama next year for OKC, oh. at least this is nice backup as far as it's concerned, as far as having that already in place and having a year under his belt. Because I know Victor yeah. Wembyama is the ultimate goal. But oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, having well, Mark yeah, Victor, Williams. I, I think Victor could be a, a complete like, um, franchise shifter but uh yeah mark williams solid very solid and um yeah the the other thing with oklahoma city is we're hearing a lot about them possibly trying to move up to seven or four um and uh maybe using some of that uh draft capital to to get there but um yeah i i think Mark Williams certainly will be in their sights or another guy who uh, might be in their sights is who I would take at number 13 for the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to go with Jeremy Sohan and he is somebody that is just one of the more versatile defenders um, can guard. Like I, I shouldn't say one through five, but like he had to do that at times this year. Yes. Um, but yeah, he, he certainly provides versatility, ability to move on the perimeter, um, some ability around the basket, uh, like good size for uh, a four, I would say, like just seeing him in person, he certainly like looks big. Um, well, he didn't need to do that in the playoffs, guard one through five at various points in time during the tournament. And are you saying in the NCAA tournament if he did that? Yes. Or you think yeah, he, depending on the game, he was actually matched up against a point oh, yeah, guard yeah. at times oh, and at other yeah. times, uh, you know, the, the, the other team's five man. So yeah. he literally does guard one through five. Yeah, more of one or five, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. kidding. And certainly, like, I, I was really impressed with his ability to move out on the perimeter and kind of like, almost like what, like, I saw Scotty Barnes this year, like guard, like, uh, you know, start off the game on a Yusuf Nurkic and end the game on Damian Lillard and do pretty well. But yeah, I, I'm 
not sure if Sohan is is going to do that, but I think that's kind of what you have in mind. And then I, I think there's there are things to work with there on offense as well. The shooting is a, a huge question mark. But yeah, I, I just think a really fluid athlete, really solid, certainly like had improved his confidence in shooting like over the year. Um, so yeah, there, there are just a lot of tools to work with there. And then the way the defense is, he, he's just one of those guys you can kind of see like uh, maybe being a, a good player in the playoffs um, with that versatility that you're looking for on the, the defensive end and doing enough as an offensive player is I, I think what you hope. Uh, if not beyond that, uh, if he can really put in the work. Absolutely. So that's a great pick right there for you, Jeremy. So on to anchor your defense. I think he's going to be a big time defensive stopper in the yeah. league. I really Charlotte goes that. small. That's a, that, yes. That'll be the thing. They'll, they'll, they'll have that continue that small ball lineup, which I think would be a lot of fun also. Absolutely. I, and But there's something they do need. It's defense. And it's someone that could go ahead and anchor that. And I think that's a really good pick at number 13 right there. Number 14 is the Cleveland Cavaliers and a team that really surprised went way beyond expectations from what we had here in Vegas for them. I really think that they are now looking at a team that wants to be competitive year in, year out. And in order to do that, you need to get more experienced players, but they also need wing players because yes, it's great when you can go ahead and float three, six, ten guys along the perimeter, but we saw at times that was a problem for them. So I know that they need a lot more help at the guard forward slash forward position. And I really think that a fast mover on the list, someone who has risen up draft boards in the past few days, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara is my number 14 pick. I think this is the top end, the ceiling of where he's being projected at right now. I think that's someone who is, got a, a really good long reach so and is someone who can play on both ends of the floor right now that I think that's someone who who can shoot can pass can do a lot of great things as a great as a very very good two-way player as a very good two-way rotational player if you can get that at this point in the draft I really think you're doing yourself a favor and Cleveland which really needs some help at the guard slash forward position I, I really think that this would be a solid pick for them yeah, I, I think this is his ceiling as well. Um, and he's somebody that I, I just thought, like in terms of providing that that shooting and uh, even like some creation ability in terms of getting to a shot, I, I, I could see it happening. I could see it happening. I have him a little lower on my board, but um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, just the, the idea of having this offensive player with good size that can come in and provide a, something that you, you need um, is could be enticing to Cleveland. Number 15, we're back in Charlotte. So what appears to be a good thing for you to see out there as far as a player that might fit at number 15 for Charlotte? Yeah, I'm uh, going to basically uh, give them like bookend guys who I, I see as more fours, but again, like uh, just – Best guys, uh, best player available on my board, and uh, somebody who also provides that versatility, good size, and defense. This one has a little bit more offensive pop as well. I'm going with Tari Eason. So, yeah, oh, just I, I think uh, both of them, just uh, with Sohan and Eason, you get that defensive versatility. 
Tari is somebody that also, you know, attacks the rim with reckless abandon, was a, a really good defender at LSU this past year. The shot, like even shot like a pretty decent percentage, um, still kind of a concern of how that uh, stretches to the NBA. But um, yeah, I, I just think there, there's a lot of ability there. And um, I, I think like both of them go along with just the, the style of play that the, the Hornets bring to the table. And while they're not like that true center that I, I think uh, they're looking for in uh, a Jalen Duran or Mark Williams, um, they uh, they would certainly make Charlotte like a lot of fun, and I, I think play very solid defense for them right off the bat. Well, there you go, excellent pick right there. You got bookends like you said at both thirteen and fifteen with Jeremy Sohan and now Tari Eason out of LSU. Very good pick indeed. Number 16, Atlanta Hawks. Now, this is a team a year ago, which we thought had this loaded roster. And after a trip to the conference finals, we thought had potential just all over the place. And unfortunately, they fell back to the curve or back to the crowd, so to speak, after a so-so season, kind of drifted back. Now there's a lot of questions now in Atlanta how to support Trey Young. I think that this is could go in any direction. I think they're looking for something that can help them sooner rather than later. But with the individual players that are out here right now, really kind of questioning where to go. Ty Ty Washington sticks out as a candidate simply because of the fact that he's a good playmaker and distributor. But he would he get much time on the floor backing up Trey Young? So I think I'm going to go as far as another wing. I'm going to actually go someone who is probably one of the highest rated that's on most people boards international. I think I'm going to go Osman Dieng right now, six, nine right there had a really poor start to his season down under, but actually improved as the year went on. I think he has a lot of potential. So I'm going to choose Osman Dieng right now at the pick for Atlanta at number 16. Someone, again, at this point in time, you're starting to try to see if you can get someone that has potential as a rotational player. He's not going to crack the rotation right away. It's going to take some developing, but I think at, at some point in time, he can go ahead and break out as a good rotational player, someone who has a lot of, of development ahead of him, but I think he can make the Atlanta Hawks rotation a lot better in the years to come. Yeah, I, I, I think he's certainly right around this range as well. And um, he's somebody that, like, with his size, um, he, he improved a great deal as a shooter as the season went on. And yeah. just the thing with the NBL is, like, there's just a lot of physicality. And it, it's a really tough adjustment. Like, you know, I know he was playing in France, but, yeah, like, going to the NBL, you're playing against, like, real grown men. Yeah. And uh, I, I think his ability to adapt to that over the season with the New Zealand Breakers, this is like right around his range as well. And uh, okay. I, I, I have a feeling that like he could possibly be in the back end of that lottery too. So yeah, he's, he does seem to be kind of rising up boards. Absolutely. Uh, who's your pick now at number 17 for the Houston Rockets, which got this pick from the Brooklyn Nets in the James Harden trade? Who do you have at number 17? All right. Well, I have somebody at 17 who seems to be doing the exact opposite of what uh, Usman Jang <laughs> is doing uh, in terms of where he's being placed on uh, mock draft boards uh, 
by the the people kind of closest to NBA personnel. Um, but he's somebody that I like quite a bit. Uh, I have Kendall Brown. And Kendall Brown, I think, is a fantastic athlete. I know that people worry about the shooting and offensive ability, not like the greatest ball handler, but I think I, I really like his touch. And I, I think uh, just that athleticism, the ability to finish around the basket. I know that uh, people are kind of like uh, 50-50 on his defense and, and not really sure where to go, but I really like how he moves there. You'd like to see him be a bit more of like a basically shot blocker or like, you know, get more of the that block percentage a little bit higher considering his athleticism. But um, yeah, I just... I, I love that that lob ability that he has and uh, just think that, uh, you know, you combine that athleticism with some touch and uh, his physical tools. I, I think there's quite a bit to work with, like, because uh, I, I think he's like at least an NBA level athlete and um, has a pretty solid size on the wing. There you go. Excellent choice. Indeed. I think right there for I've been seeing, like you said, I have also been seeing his name kind of like eh, drifting a little bit down, down, down. But you know what? If it's not due to an injury or it's not due to some really bad word that's out there on some workouts or anything of that nature, it just seems to me like it's a smokescreen and that this kid, again, mm-hmm. could be someone that I think should be at the level where you're putting him at and projecting him at. So I really think the kid's got a good future ahead of him. At number 18 for me is the Chicago Bulls. And I think that there is another playoff team which has its set, its eyes set anyways, on trying to go ahead and do more. I know there's a lot of questions now after a pretty good season in Chicago. You've got kind of like things going on with Zach Levine. You don't know if he's going to stay or go with his free agency stuff and all that. You've got the possibility they could go ahead and look into some rumors from the cards to Rudy Gobert. So at number 18, I think still they're going to try and do what they can to compete for a playoff spot. So I've got Ochi Agbahi from the national champions, the Kansas Jayhawks. So I think uh, a really solid individual, again, someone that's seasoned, someone that comes out to you, already made to go ahead and be part of rotation. So I'm going to go ahead and pick him at the, you know, the number spot right there for you for Chicago right there at number 18 up next is another team with its eyes on continuing a newly found playoff run. And that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. So who do you have at number 19 for the Minnesota Timberwolves? And you know what? I appreciate so much. Ranchars watching from Kuwait. Thank you so much for doing so. Thank you. Thank you very much. Truly appreciate it. But who do you have at number 19 for your mock draft? At number 19, I am sticking to my best player available, but I, I think this is a guy that um, the Minnesota Timberwolves would be pretty happy to see here as well. I'm going with Ty Ty Washington. I think that he is just solid shooter, um, like a, at least a good playmaker and uh, somebody that can, you know, give Minnesota another guy that can uh, – make some plays for others. And I, I think he has somewhere in the neighborhood of like a six foot 10 wingspan. So like a, another, you know, kind of bigger guard that Minnesota can have uh, in that rotation. And uh, I, I think there's, you know, some offensive ability to unlock there as well. 
did a solid job with Kentucky this year. And he's somebody that I, I think Minnesota would really like is they they're kind of figuring out what to do with D'Angelo Russell and uh, you know, what, how they want to build in the future. So it gives them another solid offensive presence who uh, should be able to hold his own on the defensive end in time. There you go. Excellent pick. I think in Ty Ty Washington, I really like him. I I've been pondering picking him earlier in this draft. So I really think as a playmaker, and there's not too many point guards that are sticking out in this draft. So I really think that's a good pick right there for you as him, one of the highly rated point guards in this draft at number 19. Excellent pick right there for you. Next up is the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs are looking to see whatever they can do to go ahead and improve their roster. A team that actually surprised a lot of people by jumping ahead of the Los Angeles Lakers and being a team that has uh, you know some potential down the road. But I think in order to go ahead and do that, you need a little bit more shooting on that team. And in order to do that, I think that Malachi Branham at number 20 from Ohio State, someone who has been projected a little bit higher in most of these drafts, falls down to number 20. Uh, as someone who I think that can really hit the outside jumper for San Antonio, which is something they sorely need. So I think right now Malachi Branham at number 20 is someone who I would pick if he's available right there for you. <laughs> Ron Shars, Kai Soto. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it is going to be someone we're going to continue to hear about over the course of the next 48 hours. I hope our young fella is drafted tomorrow for his dream to the NBA. You know what? For all the Kai Soto fans that I know Mikey has, has spoken to, that I've spoken to, that Raphael and Stone have, have <laughs> talked to, we've all talked about this behind the scenes and on the air. We are truly wishing the best for the kid. We don't know where he's going to end up, but I am truly wishing the best. As someone who is married to someone from the Philippines, you know, she is rooting for Kai Soto. And I know that a lot of people in the Philippines and all over the world are rooting for this kid to go ahead and succeed. Will he be drafted in the tomorrow's draft? We don't know yet, but really rooting for the kid. But at number 20, I will say right now, Kai would be a little bit, too high for Kai Soda, though I apologize for that. But I see shooting as a big need for San Antonio and Malachi Branham fitting that bill. Number 21, we're almost uh, really, we're actually really doing good so far. So number 21 is the Denver Nuggets. I was going to ask you or suggest to you, maybe you should go ahead and get Nikola Jovic just for that name thing going Jokic, on. Jokic? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but who do you have? I, I don't want to influence your pick in any way. So who do you have at number 21? For uh, I am taking, I have Jovic pretty close, but yeah, sticking with BPA. I know they drafted Bones Highland last year and that worked yes. out really well, but I'm going to go with a, another nice scoring guard who has some creation upside with Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. Yes, um, I just think that, you know, really solid there are certainly things that he needs to iron out and work on but the he showed they had a bag last year like you know just with his ability to create off of the dribble had some really nice playmaking chops i think that the shooting is going to come around and uh well the finishing is is kind of the the major uh thing to look at but um yeah i i think there are definitely some good things to work with with blake wesley so, yeah, I think right around his range, too. Uh, Malachi Brandon was the, the next guy up on my board uh, that you took right before. So, yeah, good job. And 
Yeah, I, I have a feeling that Branham's going to go higher. I don't know about Blake, but he got a, a green room invite. I, there are 24 green room invites out now. Yeah. Uh, the latest going to Walker Kessler. So, uh, yeah, we even the NBA. We'll, we'll see if our draft leaves some green room guys in the, in the waiting room uh, for that second round. We'll definitely see indeed, but that's actually a very good pick. I'm, I'm pretty high on Blake Wesley myself. So excellent pick right there for you at number 21. Number 22 is going to be the Memphis Grizzlies and <laughs> there's talent galore on Memphis right now. So where mm-hmm. do you actually go? I know that if they retain <laughs> these players, that means that the cap for Memphis in about three years is going to be insane. But for right now, it's all nice and, and all good for the future for Memphis. I really think they need someone that or could look for someone that could really help in the mix as far as being able to play make to help John Morant out. And I really think Nikola Jovic, who is someone who you were thinking about or talking about, is someone that I think can fit the bill if he goes ahead and gets that outside shot to where it needs to be. I know that's in question. I know, he, you know, it's kind of shaky at this point but as you have said already on the show it's something that they can work and develop but his playmaking skills i think what he brings to the table as a small slash power forward i'm going to say power forward at this point in time around 6 610 611 225 got good size again if he can develop that shot but the fact that he has a good court awareness and good vision Suspect athleticism, which is going to be, I guess, offset, you could say, by the Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, if he's playing on the same floor with him, he could he could make up for a lot of the deficiencies athletically. But I think as a playmaker, I think that's always helpful to John Morant if there's another playmaker on the floor. And I think Nikola Jovic is a, can be developed into a good one at number 22. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, again, a pretty solid for me. I mean, just someone who's who's shown up as far as internationally is someone I think that can make the NBA as a good playmaker out there, whether it's uh, inside or out. Yeah, I, I think that this is right around his range as well. Like, yeah. you know, somewhere in the 20s. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver did take him. But okay. um, yeah, like I know that uh, Memphis kind of has that decision to make with Kyle Anderson. Will they be able to pay him and uh, Do they want to yeah. pay Salomo? Yeah, yeah, that, and that's the other question. I personally think that Kyle is like a really solid rotation player. That I, I know, I like. I I would think there there's a market out there for him, but I know he really likes being in Memphis as well. But yeah, Jovic just a, another talented player to add to to the Memphis fold. So yeah, I I, I like the pick embarrassment of riches there for them in memphis and they've done a great job of drafting over the years uh, zaire williams everybody was thinking oh man at number 10 oh my gosh really i don't know turns out he was a good rotational player for them even looking in the playoffs yeah. yeah so looking pretty smart there indeed i i'm not going to doubt memphis anymore because again they've made some good choices over the past few years to see what team they've developed a team that could be on the verge of some really great things so people need to watch out for them so I have, again, Nikola Jovic, number 22. Uh-oh, uh-oh, it's Mikey's turn. And I hear that Philly crowd going, oh, 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 because Philly's coming up next at number 23. So who do you have at number 23? At number 23, I have the Philadelphia 76ers taking Jaden Harvey of the G League Ignite, a guy who I know is uh, 
kind of all over draft boards. Yes. Um, and he was considered going into the year one of the um, more interesting players out of the high school class of 2021 and uh, was kind of the the big uh, the big name for the G League Ignite this year. They turned out to have, of course, Dyson Daniels and Marjan Beauchamp and other interesting prospects and, of course, Scoot Henderson for next year. Jaden Harvey is somebody that I think the shooting will certainly come along. And just his ball handling ability, his touch on floaters, he just has a, a number of different ways to score that I, I think uh, are going to work uh, over time. And um, while he doesn't have like ideal size, his length certainly makes up for that quite a bit. Like I, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 6'10", 6'11", wingspan. And uh, yeah, just uh, I, I think... Uh, one of those scores that you, you kind of take here and hope that he can uh, add to your um, offensive firepower down the line for Philadelphia. There you go. Indeed. Jane Hardy right there for you at number 23 for the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, basically right now they're in a wait and see mode when it comes to James Harden and all that drama that could play itself out. So we'll see what happens there. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Number 24, you have a team that was looking to repeat, but something happened along the way to a repeat, and that was Chris Middleton getting hurt. And a lot of people are pointing to that as the reason why they were not able to repeat as champions. And that's the Milwaukee Bucks at number 24. I think also as well, they have to be concerned with the status of Brooke Lopez going forward. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Well, how much are you going to keep him on? Is because he, as he ages and gets older, is Giannis Antetokounmpo? I mean, he's done an outstanding job. Of course, one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. But I think a little bit more size is what they could always use. And Walker Kessler as someone in the future that could be someone that you could put in that number five spot, I think, in times if Brooke Lopez is out, that could be a continuance of the great defense as someone who at times got triple doubles in college for block shots and was getting double digits sometimes for block shots. And as someone who I, I think is really good, can be a good rim protector, maybe not as refined as what people are talking about from Chet Holmgren. From what I'm seeing, Chet Holmgren is considered by many to be the best rim protector in this draft class, but I don't think Walker Kessler is too far behind. So I think that, you know, he's had some brief glimpses of some touch from the outside. I don't know if it's real or not real. I don't even know if it's needed on a team like Milwaukee, but we'll see what happens there. But I'm I'm thinking that Walker Kessler anchoring that defense eventually one day in Milwaukee might be a good thing. So I have him going at number 24. So, yeah. yep. You you know that Milwaukee always likes that length and size. Yes. And, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez 
injured so much of last year. Yeah, Walker Kessler, the one thing he'll he'll bring immediately is that rim protection. He's done that incredibly efficiently uh, at North Carolina and at Auburn this past year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think – I know a lot of mock drafts have Walker Kessler going here. He was the 24th invite for the green room. Yep. He could very well be the 24th pick. <laughs> so I ask you now, as we reach number 25 – San Antonio's back on the clock and we keep stealing centers away from San Antonio yeah. just before they pick. So who do you have at number 25 for San Antonio? Well, they've taken two guards so far. So I'm, I'm going with a, a front court player, maybe not the center they're looking for, but somebody with, I think uh, who plays a lot bigger than his size. I'm going with EJ Liddell from Ohio state. He's about six foot seven, but he has some length. He averaged 2.6 blocks per game, I'm pretty sure, this year. So, yeah, like there's some weak side room protection there and some really solid on-ball defense, improved a lot as a shooter. I just think that at this point in the draft, you are looking for those rotation guys, those role guys, the somebody who's going to go out there and, and give you some good minutes and, and play a role, bring some toughness. And I think EJ Liddell is going to do that. I, I just – I have – faith in him becoming a, a solid role player in the NBA. And uh, I, th- I think that's kind of what you want out of uh, the 25th pick. And with two guards already uh, being drafted before, he's also the highest guy on my board. But um, yeah, I, I think that even further justifies drafting EJ Liddell here. Number 26, you have the Houston Rockets. And again, since they're not on a timetable where they have to go ahead and compete right away, you can go ahead and start looking at this area of the draft and maybe start looking at players that you think might either be developing as a rotational player or maybe even out of the blue pick someone who was a disappointment in college perhaps that may be able to go ahead and find the potential that so many saw in him. And I think right now, I think I'm going to go ahead for a reach because Houston, with all the picks that they have, are going to be able to do a little bit of reaching and also a little bit of tanking on top of that. So I'm going to pick Patrick Baldwin Jr. right there for you. And the reason why I say that is because, again, yes, he did not have a good season playing for his dad. I get that. But there was so much hype and so much, if you could see the tape from his high school days, you'll understand what he brought to the table and why so many people were high on him. And he wanted, one of the reasons why he was the, one of the highest rated individuals in his, in his uh, high school class and to see him where he's gone down, I know I see him as far as in the mid-second round. I see him falling down too, but I think the potential is still there. We saw that with Zaire Williams, and that's probably one of the main reasons why I'm thinking about Patrick Baldwin at this spot is because of the fact I saw a similar type of downslide in a lot of people's opinions in regards to Zaire Williams, and look where it's ended up for Memphis. If Houston has any type of the developmental qualities and Patrick Baldwin Jr. has the drive, I really think this could be someone that could be a pretty good hit for Houston at number 26. Your thoughts on Patrick Baldwin Jr. before we hit number 27? PBJ, it's crazy because I I remember I I saw him a couple years at USA Basketball October minicamp, and they're was like a serious conversation about him being the top player in that that class like yeah went ahead of the likes of Paulo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren 
and Jabari Smith Jr. up until I would say like later in his senior year. I think that it's like this is right around the range where it's worth a swing to draft him. He had a really rough year in not the best competition. His NBA draft combine was really rough. Like he measured out like almost like close to center size, like with a nine, two and a half standing reach. But then his uh, his vertical was pretty abysmal. And, you know, just athleticism numbers kind of leave you wondering. I think that's maybe like a, a difference between he and the a Zaire Williams who tested out pretty well athletically. But um, yeah, I, I think there, there's absolutely talent there. His EYBL numbers were really good when he was playing with uh, Phenom University. And, uh, you know, he was on a team with Jalen Johnson, who was the 20th pick last year. And uh, I think almost everybody felt that Patrick Baldwin Jr. was the, the better prospect between the two. Shot really well there. Showed some glimpses at U19s last year. But yeah, I, I think you're just kind of concerned about his latest results and uh, maybe the athleticism in the NBA. But a guy with that kind of size, the uh, balance in terms of his shooting, which I, I think you can certainly work with. Um, yeah, I, I still feel like he, he's going to get drafted and there's a chance it could be late first. The only reason I say that is because the fact that at coming right here, there's zero absolutely zero expectations for him and if that's the case the pressure's off and all he has to do is work hard and get better i really think that's that could be the case for him if that's yeah and working with likely if he was drafted by houston it would it would i know we took chet holmgren but it would likely be with uh paulo bancaro who's a guy that he's known for years as well chet holmgren also a guy i'm sure well he was on the u19 team with him so Yeah. yeah there there would be uh some Buddies to work with, let's say. Number 27, Miami Heat. You got Pat Riley smoking a cigar in the office and still talking about how he wants to get this team even farther after a conference finals and NBA Eastern Conference number one standing during the regular season. So your thoughts on what Miami Heat can do at number 27. So the guy I have Miami taking at number 27 is Dalen Terry out of University of Arizona. I think that uh, he's just somebody that uh, I, I heard really helped himself at the NBA draft combine. I think he's moved up the boards as well. Like I, I don't think he'll be available here on draft day, but yeah, Dalen Terry is about six foot seven and uh, like great size and is a guard. Like he's a, a, one of the better passers in this draft, really good defender was one of the reasons that Arizona was, I think, one of the better teams in the NCAA this year. And I, I think if he if he does come to the Miami Heat, there's a ton to work with in terms of defensive versatility. You can work on that offensive game, and I, th- I think that should come around in time. But just one of those role players that I, I think can uh, be really good for you. Considering this, this draft kind of lacks, like, you know, point guards, he, he's another one of those big guards that can uh, provide you some defensive versatility, be that connector. And uh, I, I think this would be a great pick for Miami if uh, Dalen Terry was available here. Yeah, excellently. Yeah, I've heard his name being tossed about right here. 
actually a little bit higher up. I've seen his at numbers that are right around 22, 23. So this is definitely a very good value pick. Excellent pick at number 27. Number 28 are the world champion, Golden State. The Warriors are looking to go ahead and see what they can do to increase their <laughs> their very, very, very high luxury tax that they've already got. But they, if they do actually add a player at this spot and I'm picking for them, I'm going to pick someone that I think is going to do a solid job and can actually eventually, as they weed the players out, you know, coming going forward, you know, they've obviously got a lot of youth still on that team that they haven't really played to any real extent. But I think that someone who could fit in the mix, I think it's Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest. I think uh, if you saw his shooting numbers, if you saw the way he could stroke the ball, you know, at Wake Forest in the ACC in a tough conference, I really think that his competitiveness, the fact he comes out, he he's actually a junior that he's coming out. So he's a little old on the older side, almost 21 years old, but I think that he can still provide something for Golden State as it goes on its quest to repeat. Someone that could eventually, by the end of the season, be maybe on the back end of the rotation. I think if they're able to go ahead and pick somebody at 28 who can do that, I think that's something that should be commended to them because they're really good as far as being able to talent evaluate. So I think at this point in time, Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest would be a solid pick for them. I think that they're not looking for a home run or a big reach or someone that he could go ahead with those, take a big chance on. If they can find someone here who could be at the back end of the rotation, I think that will service them as well at 28. Yeah, he did a great job at the combine. I I know that this could certainly be his range also. And I, there are certainly Warriors fans out there that are looking at Jake LaRavia and thinking like, you know, this is a guy that, uh, Really solid part of that team. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, just uh, somebody that good passer can shoot, played some pretty solid defense as well and and has good awareness on that end. He's like a young junior too. Like he doesn't turn 21 until November. So yeah, he's 20 and a half right now. Yeah. 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 So, yep. Right there for you. I'll pick Gerald. Oh yeah. Golden State. They can afford it. They'll just add more of a price on your ticket there at the Chase Center. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, gosh, they they certainly have decisions to make in terms of the luxury tax. But yeah, if uh, Joe Lacob and crew are are willing to to pay out, then they're going to be quite formidable for uh, at least uh, another few years. That's true indeed. But 29, you have the Memphis Grizzlies. So again, this is another team that is rich with talent, rich with picks. I have a feeling they may not keep both their picks in the first round come the NBA draft simply because of the fact that they have so much talent already and they need to start packaging that for maybe some more experienced players that could help them now as opposed to later because they're fast tracking as opposed to what they need to do now. Uh, you know, as far as what they did before, excuse me, when it comes to, you know, uh, maybe potential, that potential is now realized. They're now a competitive team. They're now a team that has aspirations of something even higher. So again, I don't think that they will keep both these picks, but in case they do, who do you have at number 29? Yeah, 29, I will go with uh, Marjan Beauchamp from G League Ignite. He's another guy who's maybe like a a little older and um, had a 
an interesting path to get to the G League Ignite. I, I think last year around this time he was playing at Yakima Valley uh, Community College and putting up major numbers there. Did a really solid job, I think, with the G League Ignite. Has always been one of those guys uh, from the first time I saw him as a freshman playing with the Porter brothers at Nathan Hale. He, he's just been this tantalizing prospect with super long arms, could put the ball on the floor, could have some creation for himself in terms of uh, scoring from a few different levels. And um, I, I think has some defensive tools also. So, yeah, I just think Marjan would be another solid, at least wing bet that, you know, could get added to the fold for the Memphis Grizzlies uh, as they're looking to kind of make that core a little bit more solid in uh, the two, three positions. Embarrassment of riches, my friend. You can never have enough wings, as we're seeing already. You can never have enough wings, my friend, especially right there in Memphis. Great pick right there for you, Marjan Beauchamp at number 29. And to round things off, you have the Denver Nuggets once again on the clock. And I'm going to go ahead and say this is someone that I have right around this area who I think does have potential. If you go ahead and check out at NBA Draft Mikey V on Twitter, you're going to see the pinned tweet that shows he has the best standing reach. And that is Christian Coloco out of Arizona. Someone who has a good size as far as height, obviously 7-1 player, best standing reach, as I mentioned. Someone who can go ahead and be a good role man, efficient around the rim. Someone who can block shots for you. Needs to get stronger and be a little bit better rebounder. But someone who actually in workouts has actually proven to maybe have possibly a pretty decent outside shot as he impressed people and kind of surprised people with his outside shot during these workouts so far. So I have Christian Coloco at number 30 for the Nuggets. This is probably around the area he's going to fall early second round, maybe late first round. So I think that does it for us, my friend, on the first round. So Christian Coloco ends the first round at number 30. Yeah, and it was standing vertical reach. So he uh, standing vertical reach. That's yeah, what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. So that means you know when he's jumping up and uh, going for those block shots from a standstill, he, he's getting really high. Yeah, I, I had a thread on that because uh, I've always, to me, the the standing reach numbers can lie, but the the touch points don't lie. So yeah. that that's why I made a, a thread on that and. He's number Coloco one. Also had the highest uh, max vert reach as well. Yeah, twelve two and a half, which is really good. Yeah. So yeah, he um, certainly a lot of athleticism there was part of the reason Arizona was such a great defense as well with uh, Dale and Terry having that combination. Coloco was the centerpiece of one of the better high school defenses I've seen at Sierra Canyon. I, I think he's developed quite a bit really got unlocked this year with Tommy Lloyd uh, taking over the Arizona head coaching spot. So yeah, uh, a guy that I wouldn't be surprised around here as well. See him slip into the second round possibly, but um, he's certainly around this range. So yeah, very cool. Had a few guys left on my board that I I have first round grades on. Um, Sure. I like Bryce McGowan's, Max Christie, Wendell Moore, like, so those are just, you know, solid, like, I, I would say two, three bets. And then Ryan Rollins from Toledo would be a, another one that I would look at. His name has been mentioned. Pick. Yeah, His I know Rafael likes Ryan Rollins quite a yes. bit. Uh, 
yes. due to his being young for class and his scoring ability. So yeah, somebody's going to have to slip to the second round and we'll see that tomorrow. Absolutely. We will indeed, my friend, but it's great having you here as always. Great to catch up with you again. Uh, it is Michael Weisenberg from Perspective Insight. You got to go ahead and follow him today on the Twitter because nobody out there is better on the Twitter than him at NBA Draft Mikey V. But before we head on out, please go ahead and give the lowdown on what you're up to and what you want people to know about you at NBA Draft Mikey V. Well, yeah, follow NBA Draft Mikey V. Follow at underscore Pro Insight. That's where I constantly retweet their stuff because they have. We have just a great team all around the country going to a bunch of high school and college events and talking about future players that are going to be in the NBA draft and doing some great NBA draft work as well. Get in the game 101 is something that I can't recommend enough. We just had a fantastic draft cohort class Um, coming up. There are classes as far as the off season and um, on talking to people at Las Vegas summer league. So Definitely look at getting the game 101 and John Ross. Um, and other than that, you know, I'm I'm just going to be trying to go to whatever I can. Um, but Gerald, thank you so much for having me on. It, it was great to be on the Lakers Fast Break once again. Oh, great to have you on, my friend. Also, special shout out to Ranch Charles out there in Kuwait. We're rooting for Kai Soto for you. We are. We're hoping, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We do want great things for him. If he's not taken in at tomorrow's NBA draft, I can tell you within seconds, his agent will be called up by someone looking to go ahead and see if they can make him a part of their roster for the summer league and then going forward for the G League and whatnot. So I do see a future for Kai Soto. Maybe in the NBA, we'll see what happens there. But I cannot thank you enough for watching all the way from Kuwait. And thank you to everybody else who is watching and listening. A special shout out again to YouTube. But to Mikey V out there, please go ahead and follow him today. The future of the NBA is right there for you at NBA Draft Mikey V. Thank you so much again. Oh, Ranch Char saying thank you so much. Thank you so much. Stay safe, everyone out there. And we'll see you next time right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.